0: Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. I'm Angela Dahlgren, here with my co-host, Brian McNichols. Hello. And we're excited to be back today. It's just the two of us. Last episode was with Alex Robinson. He is a co-host from the podcast, Star Wars Minute. And we got his perspective on Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It's a great episode. You can check that out on iTunes, TuneIn, or FeedBurner. Brian, do you want to talk about what we are discussing today?
0: I do. We have decided to, uh, since we haven't been putting up episodes as regularly as we would like to.
1: Sorry about that.
0: Yeah, and, and part of the problem is just that, you know, sometimes we we don't exactly sure what to talk about, so. Of course, anybody with suggestions can uh, can contact us or in any way. You can tweet at us at Touring Plans if you hashtag TPPOD. That helps us out a lot. Or you can find Angela at Angela Dahlgren or I am at YesThatBrian on Twitter. You can, uh, go ahead and tell us anything you would like to uh, hear us talk about. But What we decided to do is talk about some things that we are very fond of, like uh, attractions in general. Yeah. So we are going to talk about the land pavilion. We are kind of what it was, what it is, and uh, what it is going to be.
1: Oh, that was a very good ending to that sentence. Thank you. I love that. Okay. So yeah, we're going to give you a little bit of breakdown about the land, a history. We're going to talk about the food, the attractions, a little bit of shopping. It's going to be fun. Okay, let's start with a brief overview. So the Land Pavilion is dedicated to human civilization's interaction with the Earth, which includes travel and mainly agriculture, which is really the big thing here. It shows how humans use, destroy the land and really how we can preserve it. It opened October 1st, 1982, which was the grand opening of Epcot, right, Brian?
0: Yeah, that is correct.
1: Yeah, it's it's about six acres, and this is the largest pavilion in Future World. And who was the original sponsor for this?
0: It was Kraft. All of the original pavilions, I, I think, all of them in Epcot in Future World at least, had sponsors. That was, you know, something that, uh, it, which is, I, I find it f- funny now. A lot of uh, there are a lot of people who give Disney a little bit of of garbage for teaming with corporations and things like that i mean disney is a giant corporation now so they don't always need to but that was kind of walt's idea like that's how he financed a lot of this stuff Mm -hmm. and uh although you know walt didn't didn't live long enough to see walt disney world uh, he did make a lot of relationships with a lot of these corporations and they kind of kept that going by finding sponsors um for the World of Motion Pavilion, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. It's Test Track now. Mm-hmm. And and the land is is was sponsored by Kraft. And the contracts at that time were 10 years. And they still might be. I don't know for the few that are still sponsored. I, Test Track might be one of the only ones that is still sponsored, actually. Yeah. So from 1982 until uh, 1993, Kraft was the sponsor. And then after them, uh, it was Nestle. For the following 10 years and since 2004, I believe somewhere around there, there has been no sponsor to the Land Pavilion at all.
1: Well, and with it being Kraft and Nestle in the 80s and 90s, it just makes sense. (laughs) I mean, just think about it. Kraft was everywhere and Nestle was everywhere, especially with me growing up, myself growing up you know, with, with commercials and everything. So oh yeah, I, I totally get it. They, they chose well.
0: The sponsorships always do create some, some interesting conflicts. The most notice, notable of which was the, uh, energy pavilion with Exxon being their, their sponsor. And, uh, they maybe didn't talk about renewable energy quite as much as you would have liked, uh, being, mm-hmm. being sponsored by Exxon and the land actually wasn't, wasn't that different. Um, You know, they talked a lot about farming and nutrition and that, but they also, you know, tried to sell some mac and cheese (laughs) (laughs) and
1: the irony. Well, since we're talking about mac and cheese, let's talk about the food. So, Garden Grill, this is their sit-down restaurant. It's family-style dining. I've eaten there once or twice and I have enjoyed Mm -hmm. my time there. I've eaten there for dinner. This features rainforest farmhouse thunderstorm visuals from Living with the Land, which is an attraction we'll get to a little later. I've honestly never noticed these visuals, to be honest because I'm always what? I really haven't because when I when I went to dinner, I was noticing the characters, which is Chip and Dale. <laughs> I think Pluto and Mickey. they do a great job with the kids. I, I really enjoy them. I just can't believe I haven't noticed these visuals. I, I was reading that I'm like, Wait, when where, where are they? I don't even know. This is also a revolving restaurant. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something kind of interesting, but no, you won't you won't get sick. Sitting down. No, it,
0: it moves very very slow. I've actually I've eaten at Garden Grill probably six ish times somewhere in there. Wow, it's one of our favorite character meals because I think the food is actually pretty good for a character meal, especially uh, it's served family style and, rather than the buffet, which mm-hmm. is is a little bit nicer, comes out a little fresher, and a lot of the. I don't know if I consider this. It's, it's, should say a lot, but some of the food served is grown in the uh, Living with the Land biodome that we'll, we'll get to. But yeah, it is kind of a two-level restaurant, and and it's circular, obviously because it's rotating. Mm-hmm. So there is the outside circle and then an inside circle. The outside circle is much more desirable, and I'm guessing maybe you were in the inside, which is how you didn't notice the uh, the scenery going by because yeah. uh, as it turns. There's a few different stages. There's the the opening to the rest of the land pavilion. Then on either side, there are kind of murals. Then the other parts are scenes from the Living with the Land boat ride. So as you go through, you go through the jungle and you go by the farmhouse. And then you uh, go by, I think, the desert one.
1: I um, missed. I was on the inside. Order. Yeah. I feel like I missed
0: out. You can still kind of peek over the wall and see, but it's definitely not as easy to to do there one of the things i always i'm always fascinated by is because the in the center of the circle is where the kitchen is or at least where they come out of the kitchen and the door there doesn't move so i always I'm always curious about – and I've asked the, the wait staff there because I'm like, well, the tables are never in the same place when you walk out that door. Right. And they say you, basically the answer is you just get used to it and yeah. you just figure out – you look and see what table it is that's in front of you. And then you figure out whether you have to go right or left until you get there, oh, and that's about it. So. Well,
1: and, you know, well, thinking about it, when I went, I had a table very, very close to the entrance. Like, I think like right by the entrance. So that makes well, sense that I- only part of it. Well, yeah. Yeah, only part of the time, I guess. And, and let me tell you, I was really focused on the food. And I think my kids were like maybe one in three or two in four. Mm. So I am really disappointed that I did not notice the visuals. <laughs> and I feel like I have to make a trip back now to really admire it. But the food is delicious.
0: Yeah. And the tables on the outside circle actually are, a lot of them are like half moon booths. Mm -hmm. So you're actually facing like the outside. You're not really facing each other even, which is also nice for the characters because then you can always see them coming. But yeah, it's it's open it's breakfast, lunch and dinner now. All yep. three are character meals. And the food is the breakfast food is pretty similar to what you'll get at any other character meal, you know, bacon, eggs, Mickey waffles, that kind of stuff. The lunch and dinner is a little bit different. They have a, an American Thanksgiving meal almost. It's it's turkey, it's stuffing, it's yep. mashed potatoes. They do have a fish in there I think sometimes too, but
1: I think it's better than Liberty Tree personally. I mean pot roast turkey and gravy stuffing it's like an herb stuffing and mashed potatoes for some i mean i like liberty tree but i thought that this was better and i don't know yeah. what your thoughts are i haven't it's been a right
0: while to... since i've eaten at liberty tree i remember liking that but yeah i would say they're at least similar if not if not better and liberty tree got rid of their characters a long time ago so
1: yeah that's, so you uh, have an advantage here
0: yeah you know i like garden grill actually quite a bit and it's one of them that i think gets forgotten a lot It's definitely not one of the hard-to-get reservations for characters. I mean, a lot of times you can get reservations within even a couple days sometimes, especially Mm -hmm. if you're not picky on which meal it is.
1: Absolutely. And I I wanted to ask you, I assume you've been there for dinner. Mm -hmm. Several people have brought up the eggs there and how they, I, I don't know whether the eggs are good or they think they're powdered eggs. Do you have any insight? Do they taste differently? I'm just really curious about it.
0: Honestly, all the eggs on Disney World property taste like the same to me. I, I find
1: that I have too. no
0: idea whether they're buffet eggs. They're probably all powdered or liquidized or something like that. But I've never particularly eaten the eggs and gone, oh these are really good. Right. They're just like standard buffet eggs to me. So right. I'm sure they're they're fine. I don't know. One thing um, I will mention for one nice thing for breakfast here. Because one of the major attractions in Epcot is Soarin', that that we're uh, another one we'll get to. So if you get breakfast at eight a.m. and they Epcot normally opens at 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. So if you eat at 8 a.m., you will absolutely be one of the first in line for Soren. And the time we did do that, we got down to Soren about quarter to nine, yeah. and they were already letting people on to ride. So we actually got to ride it twice in a row before oh, awesome. the rope drop crowd got there. So if you are doing, if you want a little bit of an advantage and are looking for a breakfast anyway, uh, that's a pretty good one because you are right, you are right above Soren actually.
1: So breakfast is from 8 to 10.30, lunch is from 11.30 to 3, and dinner is from 4 to 8.30. Tables in Wonderland and passholder discounts are available, and this is one credit on the Disney dining plan. Anything else you have to add?
0: No, let's uh, move on. There is actually another dining option within the land pavilion.
1: You know, the land really kills it when it comes to dining. Sunshine Seasons Food Court. This is another one that we here at Touring Plans really, really appreciate. I've only had dessert here. I think I tried, well, I got one bite of a cupcake and then my husband just like demolished it. So I didn't get to (laughs) try much else. But, you know, I have heard the best things about that. Well, this is one of the best quick service spots in Epcot, I would say.
0: It is one. Um, our, the the touring Blends users rate this as as one of the highest uh, in Disney World, actually, uh, for quick service dining. I don't know the rankings off the top of my head, but I know it is it is always consistently high, mm-hmm. at, definitely at Epcot and and even throughout. Disney World. Yeah, it's it's great. It's kind of right in the middle of the pavilion. The way the pavilion, I guess we probably should have mentioned the way the pavilion is designed a little bit. Yeah, maybe. So the way the pavilion is designed, you have to walk up a fairly long exterior ramp to get to it. And it's very pretty. They have like garden and trees planted and there's a very nice mural or mosaic, I guess, technically mm-hmm. on either side but it is a little bit uphill yep. which is tiring when you're trying to speed walk to get to Soren quick. Yes. You cannot bring strollers or ECVs. I'm not you, sure you about ECVs. Can, ECV. bring can ECV, you bring those in? Yep. Okay. You cannot bring a stroller and I know that. So
1: You can park them like if you're going out of the land pavilion. Go all the way out of the land and take left, and there's a huge spot for stroller parking.
0: Yeah, in between the land and the seas with Nemo and friends. But then when you enter the land, you are actually on the second floor. The second floor is where you will find Garden Grill. Then you have to go down an escalator, so you basically walk up the ramp just to go back down. And on the first floor, right in the middle, is... uh, the food court. I to, for this, uh, Sunshine Seasons. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> I had to switch tabs again to look at the name of it. Yeah. And all the seating is kind of right in the middle. And then the actual food court is tucked under where you entered the land. So you'll enter basically standing on top of it. And because of that, like it's, it does definitely get busy at like peak meal times <laughs> and stuff like that. What I love to use the land for it, or, or Sunshine Seasons for is like, like snacks at off times Mm -hmm. so like after we've you know my family after we've done our like rope drop attractions and stuff then a lot of times we'll pop in that you know we'll go do Soren and then we'll just hang out and grab a snack and a coffee and sit down there like it's by then it's usually pretty empty there's a lot of tables so it's rare that they're all filled especially if you're going at an odd time but it's really good i like it uh, quite a bit
1: yeah, it's open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They have Asian cuisines such as Mongolian beef, a vegan korma, is that how you say it? Vegan korma with mm-hmm. plant-based chicken and cashews, rotisserie chicken, pork loin, and soups and sandwiches. So you have a lot of options. Everything on this menu when I was looking it up looked delicious, and I definitely need to make a trip when I am there at the end of this month. And uh, food is one credit one quick service credit on the Disney dining plan. So definitely check that out. If you're looking for a good quick service place at Epcot.
0: All right. So what's next? What are we talking about now?
1: Well, let's talk about attractions past.
0: There's only one real attraction that is completely gone from the land. And that is, I don't know if I want to say fan favorite, but definitely fan well-known kitchen cabaret. This was basically put in, you know, this was part of the craft sponsorship. Mm -hmm. Kitchen Cabaret is a show featuring animatronic foods. They talked about nutrition and, you know, of course, the deliciousness of craft products. It was an opening day attraction. It opened with the Land Pavilion. It was then in 1994, after the Nestle uh, sponsorship took place, it was changed to Food Rocks, uh, which was very similar except that now instead of just cabaret-style songs and things like that, it was all rock songs. The odd part of, of this was that they had actual singers do the voices, but it was an, an odd mix. And keep in mind, this was 1994, so they had Tone Loke, which, okay, mid-'90s, that makes more sense, Neil Sedaka, Little Richard, The Pointer Sisters, and Chubby Checker. And it featured songs by bands such as Queen, The Beach Boys, and The Police. Versions of the songs, I should say, not the real songs, but food-related puns on. Uh, I can't think of any of them off the top of my head, but I'll look it up as we are talking.
1: I kind of love this.
0: You can still you can find a, you know some short videos about it if you ever want to see things like. Actually, you can find the full show. I just searching for it. I found a YouTube video, a twelve minute long YouTube video of the full food rock show. If you ever want to to see any older videos, especially Epcot, I would strongly suggest Martin's Vids. He is a videographer that has been apparently taking videos of Walt Disney World for ever. I don't know. Uh, it's martinsvids.net, and he does just these really long tribute videos to I, I think he's gotten everything on there by now. And he has some really great stuff. So if you were really curious about these past attractions, I would, I would suggest that. Um, okay, so some of the songs they did uh, will make it count in the kitchen to the tune of Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Oh Don't know how that would go. I have no idea. Um, Every Bite You Take is Every Breath You Take. Okay. Oh, High Fiber is Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. Oh Vegetables Are Good For You to the tune of Neil Sedaka's Breaking Up Is Hard To Do. Choose before you chew also to the tune of bohemian rhapsody okay i have to watch this video now too because i cannot figure out maybe i will uh maybe i will pull some a little a short clip uh, audio clip i simply have to tell you that my friends who are singing are delectable <laughs> <laughs> meals are defined as long as you can Vegetables.
1: they're good for you everyone they make your meals alive. Like a lot of fun like a carnival <laughs> it's nice to be with fruit and vegetables i feel like we need to like film a reaction of us watching this together
0: <laughs> maybe i i'm sure i've seen it before because never. uh Food Rocks, it ran for 10 years from 1994 to 2004. Yeah,
1: and replaced, Soren replaced at that.
0: It is now kind of buried behind part of the queue for Soren. Yeah. Supposedly, like the room where this stuff was held is, has, it is not actually demolished, but it was just kind of walled up. So there is an outside chance that these animatronics are still just kind of hanging out in like some storage place like behind the walls. I don't know if that's true or not, but apparently it's possible. The funny thing I think with Food Rocks is that, I mean, in 1994, I mean, you probably don't remember 1994 as well. I was in high school at the time, and I can tell you for sure, Chubby Checker and the Pointer Sisters and Little Richard weren't the most popular acts in the world oh, I at that believe time. It. Yeah. So I feel like this was very much one for like the dads with a very pun-heavy sense of humor, it's
1: like full of dad jokes. I, I yeah. totally see that.
0: So. That's basically the only attraction that is just completely gone now. Everything else has been just kind of updated, including uh, the next one, which I, I'll, I'll start and then I'll let you you take over in a minute. But it started as Symbiosis, which is another opening day attraction. And it was in the, there's a theater. So as you're walking into the if you kind of go to the right, mm-hmm. uh, as you're going around to the escalators, like straight ahead of you is a theater there that is actually going to be hosting a, a new attraction pretty soon. But the original attraction in there was called symbiosis. And it was, it was an opening day attraction. I just looked to make sure. And this was, uh, It ended up closing in 1995, and it focused on the balance between technological expansion and the protection of the environment. So it showed environmental damage done by humans and things that can be done to fix it and things like that. It was replaced in 1995 by the Circle of Life and Environmental Fable, which was basically the same thing except Timon and Pumbaa from The Lion King were in it. Mm -hmm. Did you ever see the Circle of Life?
1: I haven't seen any of the things that you've mentioned. I, I'm kind of surprised I never saw The Circle of Life, but in a way, I'm also not, because <laughs> with everything at Epcot there is to see and walk around and look at, sitting down and kind of watching a film, is, I mean, I, I did that at home basically all of my childhood. So yeah, I never, I never got to see that. And then it closed. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it environmental a circle of life and environmental fable closed February third of two thousand and eighteen. So mm-hmm. that was very recent. Mm-hmm. A lot of you, I'm sure, remember that one. I also never saw it. I was there. In fact, I think I was there a week or two before it closed, and I walked by and I thought, oh, maybe I should finally see it. And I was like, no, okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm good. And I understand. I am a very pro environmental messages but i i just i always think like i just don't necessarily want it done that way i and and basically everything in this this well at least living with the land which which we're getting to definitely has a pro environmental message but it's done i think a lot more subtly than the kind of very hit you over the head things that I had heard about circle of life. So, and of course, there's always the irony of them telling you about the damage done by building things like theme parks and hotels in a, the biggest theme park in the world. Yeah,
1: no, I agree. I, I really, I mean, again, we're going to talk about this next living with the land, but I would rather go on an attraction that kind of brings you through how they're helping the environment and producing that way rather than watch a movie about it in a theme park. I could do oh, that yeah. at home and watch a documentary, if that makes sense.
0: So now Circle of Life, uh, like we said, closed a little over a year ago, but it, the theater is not going away. Some nope. thought maybe it would, um, but there's something new taking its place. Uh, no. Isn't that right?
1: Disney announced that they are adding Awesome Planet to take its awesome. place. Awesome! Oh my gosh, bringing me back. No official opening date has been given, but this film will give an on-screen exploration of the realm we call home. It showcases the spectacular beauty, diversity, and dynamic story of our Earth with all the grandeur guests have come to expect. So that's really all we have to work with.
0: Yeah, and we don't know when that's opening, right? No, no
1: official date. I guess we can always look after we record this podcast and see if we've been updated with one but so far no we haven't gotten anything
0: no it seems like the last information we got was march 19th yeah. which was the uh, the announcement that it was coming but uh, i don't think
1: and i just checked yesterday
0: yeah no and it it just doesn't doesn't even mention anything other than that it is coming so it's one of the many epcot uh movie enhancements they're doing they're supposedly filming, you know, new sections and doing a Beauty and the Beast sing-along in the France Pavilion. And we have no information on any of those things other than they're coming in the future. So this is one of those.
1: The description just has a lot of words that basically tell mm-hmm. us it's going to talk about Earth. So
0: Yeah, it almost sounds like it's like the Blue Planet specials. Yeah, and it almost sounds generic-y. like it's going to be. And I think because those are very well received and generally popular. So I imagine it's just that.
1: Yeah. It's going to be a filler attraction, I think, just like all the other ones are.
0: I mean, I can just watch Blue Planet on my TV at home. I don't necessarily need yeah. to go hang out it's in the theater. Netflix. And yeah, I, I so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if I if I make it to this one before it closes.
1: <laughs> I know. Ten years later, man, I missed another opportunity. All right, living with the land. So
0: finally living with the land.
1: I like living with the land. I do I do get fast passes for it because honestly, I mean, once you fill up the first tier, there's not a lot else you can get fast passes for at Epcot. Mm-hmm. But I do get one for living with the land. I do enjoy it. The boat ride takes visitors through swamps, past inhospitable farm environments and through a futuristic greenhouse where real crops are grown using the latest agricultural technologies. So uh, how do you feel about this attraction?
0: I love living with the land. I, it's one that I was not As fond of when I was a kid, but um, because it's you know, it's kind of a boring boat ride through plants. Mm -hmm. But as I got a little, I I think I just didn't really give it a chance. I feel like it was one of those that I heard about and decided I didn't like before I did it anyway, Mm -hmm. as kids are wont to do. And then as I got older, I was like, oh, this is actually it's very peaceful and relaxing. There's really not usual, I mean, if you're there like Christmas week or Easter or spring break or something like that, there might be like a 20 to 30 minute wait. Most of the time you're in there, you'll wait less than 10 minutes. So it's one that you can kind of get on almost whenever you want. I have definitely done that as my first ride of the day before just because I think the day we – I mentioned before that when we had the Garden Grill Reservation after we did Soren twice, then all the crowds started to get there. We walked over and did Living with the Land and we're the only ones in our boat because everybody walks into the land and goes straight for Soren instead of Living with the Land. But uh, my kids actually – Very much enjoy it as well. Like they, it's not their favorite ride. They're never going, if, you know, we have one ride left, they're never going to pick it. Mm -hmm. But they, they don't mind. They like, pointing out all the different plants that we see on the way by. And there's a part where you get to see fish and some baby crocodiles or baby alligators probably. And you go by the scenes that we mentioned from Garden Grill. There's, you know, one that looks like a desert climate. Um, There's the the farmhouse with the dog's barking at you and through the jungle where there's animatronic alligators. It's very nice. This actually started as uh, another opening day attraction. It started as Listen to the Land. With uh, one of the earwormiest songs in the world, which is another one I might pull a little bit of audio and uh, and have have that slid in here. Just make believe you're a tiny little seed, a tiny little seed that's reaching up to meet your need with the right amount of faith and the right amount of earth. You'll grow to see the sunshine on your day of birth Let's listen to the land we all love Nature's plan will shine upon. Listen to the land, listen to the land Let's listen to the land we all love, love.
1: Nature's plan will shine above. Oh, we don't it's, even it's very, need you to pull the audio, you just keep painting
0: It's very, like, Americana country-ish, uh, but it gets stuck in your head for ever. But yeah, so what, what do your kids think about living with the land?
1: I think that the kids are always like, "Okay, do we have to go on this?" But they normally use it as kind of downtime. You know, when when I give them mm-hmm. their blankies because they're still they're still little and they just kind of like suck their fingers and and look at things. This is always a ride that I hear from so many people that they were pleasantly surprised. You know, they weren't expecting much. They were always expecting it to be boring. And then they go on it and they're like, I really, really like this attraction. I brought my friends uh, from the UK and from St. Louis this past July last year. Mm -hmm. And they liked it so much more than they thought. I do have an attraction overview of this ride that we will link in the show notes. But other than that, uh, it's about 14 minutes long. So it is a great way to get out of the summer heat, the Florida heat and mm-hmm. some parts are a little breezy, which is nice. Fastpass is offered, like I mentioned before, and it's available for morning and evening extra magic hours. There's a handheld captioning available, audio description devices are available, and you must transfer it from a standard wheelchair. We have a touring plans tip as well, to go early in the morning and save those other land attractions, except for Sorin for later in the day, so basically save the show, whatever, the theater show, for later in the day. Yeah, or you could go after 5 p.m. or use that fast pass.
0: And now, uh, one thing you should be aware of, especially if you're waiting till after 5 to ride Living with the Land, it closes almost every day at 7 p.m. for reasons, I think just staffing reasons. There are certain rides in Future World. Uh, the Imagination Pavilion closes at 7 also. So Sorin is still open after this. But if you are there close to closing time, Living With the Land will probably not be open. So there is also a tour, right, that goes through?
1: Yeah, there's a Behind the scenes tour. This is a backstage one-hour tour that takes you through the four greenhouses and fish farm. It's $20 for a child and $25 for an adult. And this is for preschoolers and up. We do have a review of this, which I'll link in the show notes. Uh, Julia Moscardo, she's a great blogger for touring plans. She did a really thorough review of this. I think last year, but Brian, have you done this?
0: I haven't, no. Have you?
1: No, I haven't. It's one that I I always want to do it, but then yeah. I wonder, like, do I want to take an hour out of my day or do I want to film more? Because, you know, I I feel like you can't film tours, so I don't want to take that chunk out, you know what I mean?
0: A question that we'll get fairly often is, you know, we'll get asked, uh, Disney has a lot of, of various tours now that people will ask, and this is one that, Behind the scenes is one that we recommend a lot because it's more interesting like the living with the land itself it's more interesting than it sounds like it's going to be mm-hmm. but also it's it's relatively cheap $25 a person yeah it's the cheapest tour by quite a bit so if you just want a little bit, if you've been to Disney World a lot and just feel like you want to do something extra, but don't necessarily want to pay the, you know, like $200 or whatever for some of the other tours, uh, like, you know, Jungle Trek or something like that, you know, this is a great little add on for it because it is compared to other tours, at least not too bad.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely want to do it sometime. I think when my kids are in school, the, uh, they mm-hmm. would really enjoy that. And, you know, then I can be like, I may be taking them out of school at some point, but at least they're still <laughs> learning about something. Yeah. All right. All right.
0: So we have one more attraction left in the land. And I, you don't realize until we're going through this how much stuff is actually crammed into that building.
1: I know. And really, like you think there's only three attractions, but then there's a lot to discuss within, like you said, the land and everything that's in it. Okay. Soren. This was previously Soren over California, and before that, Food Rocks, and before that, Kitchen Cabaret. Okay, oh, we're all caught up. So you want to you want to delve into what Soren is, Brian?
0: Soren is kind of a simulator ride, I guess. I say kind of because most simulators, if you think of like Star Tours, if you you know that one, mm-hmm. you sit in the little box that you know is dressed up to look like a spaceship inside and the entire box moves as you're looking at the screen. Yep. Soren, you're sitting in rows of seats that are in front of a enormous screen that curves kind of around you a little bit and before the show starts you are lifted in these seats and kind of suspended out over right in front of the screen Mm -hmm. and then as the images move on the screen the seats themselves move there are wind effects there are scent effects in it it is a very very unique simulator it kind of it, it is basically uh Supposed to replicate you in a glider, mm-hmm. almost. Even if you don't generally like simulators, I would suggest you know trying it. If you are, if you're very afraid of heights, it could definitely bother that. If you are very, very prone to motion sickness, almost everything makes you motion sick, kind of thing. Then it might bother you. Uh, I get motion sick quite a bit, and it's never ever bothered me. Same. So yeah, Same. yeah. So I, it's one of the gentler promotion sickness, but uh, it is always one of the top rated rides at, at Disney World not just in Epcot. And how do you feel about it, Angela?
1: I love Soren. It's one of my favorites. It's something that I always try to do when I go to Walt Disney World. When I pick out my fast passes, I try to get one for Soren rather than maybe like Frozen Ever After. I would rather wait in line for Frozen Ever After than Soren because mm-hmm. yeah. I know that my daughter loves it as well. So I always want to make sure that she gets to do it too. Mm-hmm. I would say that if you like Soren, you would love Flight of Passage, because flight of passage at Animal Kingdom is Soren on steroids. If you oh, yes. if you do get motion sickness, you are more likely to get sick on flight of passage because yes. I tend to on flight of passage, but I do not on Soren. So mm-hmm. um, just to give you a little bit of comparison if you if you do get sick.
0: And that's a good point about the the queue too, because uh, I'm the same way. I tend to try to get Soren fast passes. The queue for Frozen Ever After is a little bit nicer. It's a little prettier at least. Mm-hmm. The Soren queue is I find pretty miserable. I, I think it's the worst queue for a major attraction boring. in Disney. It kind of looks like an airport concourse and who hasn't wanted to spend an hour and a half standing in an airport concourse? Yeah. But it's basically just concrete and at one point they had kind of interactive games in there yes, that I, I don't even that. know if I don't know if they even turn those on anymore.
1: That like makes it so much worse to wait in line.
0: Honestly, I haven't been through the standby queue in so long. In I there. couldn't really even tell you. Now they did change the film in this, as as yeah. you you did allude to, in two thousand and sixteen. Uh, when did Soren open? Was it two thousand eight?
1: Two thousand five. Yeah. It was Soren over two thousand five. Yeah.
0: So, well, it was it was that in California, I believe. In Disney World, it was always it was just Soren, because uh, this was designed for the California Adventure Park as that you were you're sewing over different locales in california makes sense since california adventure mm-hmm. in epcot it didn't quite make as much sense why you would be sewing over california so they used the same video but i believe but they just called it soaring as if you wouldn't notice i guess right but in 2016 they changed it in all parks to soaring around the world. So now, instead of scenes from California, you see things like the Taj Mahal and the Eiffel Tower and the Great Wall of China. And it ends now... It used to always end at Disneyland, uh, which again, in Epcot, didn't make a ton of sense. Now it ends in the park you're you're in... Well, in the property you're in. So the California Adventure one still ends at Disneyland. The Epcot one now ends at Epcot. Do you have a preference between the two films? I definitely do, but I want to hear yours first. You
1: know, I only did... Soren over California, maybe once or twice. I definitely mm-hmm. miss the scent of or- oranges, and mm-hmm. I think I think my husband Michael prefers Soren over California. But at this point, I've done Soren around the world so many times. I know that a lot of people do not like animation. You know that are inserted mm-hmm. like Tinkerbell. and I think doesn't like there's a polar bear and stuff. I know there's a, a polar
0: bear like in that. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I don't know. I I feel like you probably like soaring over California more.
0: Yes, I quite a bit actually. Uh, and it's not that I I like the idea of seeing different sites around the world. That part doesn't bother me, and even the animations actually don't bother me bother me too much. I mean, there are times when you can see like, okay, that looks a little. That, that animal's moving a little strangely, but mm-hmm. that's that's fine with me. It, right. it, I do miss the orange smell. Uh, there was also a very nice pine smell in there in the old yeah, one at one point. Right. The music in Soren is fantastic. It still is, yep. but I feel like the old score went with the ride a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's matched up as well now. My biggest problem, however, is that they get too close to things. Where, so on over California, you were looking at a lot of landscapes. Yep. So everything looked pretty normal. In the new one, you go through, I think it's Monument Valley in Utah. You go through at one point and you get very close up to a mesa and you can, because the screen is curved, you can see the curve in the Mesa then as you get close to it. The biggest offender of this is the Eiffel Tower where you get very close to the Eiffel Tower and the closer you get, the Taj Mahal does too. And it all, it looks, especially if you are on one of the sides, there are three bays that you load into, uh, one in the center and then one on each side. And if you're on one of the sides, you notice the curve is even more pronounced.
1: Yes. So if you really want the best view politely request to wait an extra cycle for seats in row B1. And that will give you the best view. I had that The last time I was there, I think in November, Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize just how much of a difference that makes.
0: Yeah. Especially now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So definitely do that. That's B1, row B1.
0: Yeah. Concourse B is the one that's in the center. I believe one is the top row then. So within each concourse, there are three rows of seats that when you load into them, they will be you know front, middle, back. But as they elevate, it will be top, middle, bottom. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I believe B1 is the center top which is also nice because then you don't see people's feet dangling down. But yeah, the closer you get to the Eiffel Tower, especially if you're on one of the sides, it looks very, very curved. And that bothers me a great deal because I think they could have solved it by just staying further away and not getting right up on top of everything. And I think it's just something they didn't think of when they were filming, which I, I find a little lazy. I feel like it's something they probably should have considered.
1: Wasn't the whole concept of how this was built based on an Imagineer using his old erector set and making the ride out of that to show people how it could be yeah
0: built? I don't remember offhand if that's what gave him the idea, but he definitely built the model for it using an erector set and a little crank to get the the seats up. Yeah, there's one of the Walt Disney World specials from uh, the mid-2000s. They talk about it in there. That uh, For a while, it was on Amazon Prime. I don't know if it still is. It's a Walt Disney World behind the scenes, I think it's called. And they talk about it in there. They have the Imagineer on talking. He has his, even has the little erector set model that he cranks to show how the seats move.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely very clever in that case. The attraction is about five and a half minutes. Like I said before, FastPass is offered. Pass Plus is offered. It's available for morning and evening extra magic hours, as well as Rider swap. You must be 40 inches to ride. Video captioning and audio description devices are available. You must be able to transfer from a wheelchair or ECV, and there are no service animals that can be on the ride. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how else to say
0: that. Although I do kind of want to see just like a dog sitting in one of the seats. He's stands. so
1: cute! Oh my gosh. I feel like they probably wouldn't
0: like it though. Oh, yeah. that's
1: adorable. As far as touring plans, tips: go the first 30 minutes the park is open. Use yeah. fast passes. You can expect those same day fast pass reservations to be gone by about 1 p.m. on moderately busy days. Or as early as 11 a.m. on high crowd days. So just keep that in mind if you are looking for a fast pass the day of your park visit.
0: Yeah, Soren is one of the current, you know, big three rides in Epcot. It's Soren, Test Track, and Frozen Ever After are the three that you can, you are only allowed to get a fast pass for one of them. Your other two fast passes must come from, you know, other attractions, mm-hmm. uh, which is why Angela said a lot of times you end up with like a living with the land fast pass, yeah. because especially if you make it back to back with your Soarin' fast pass uh, and can do them both while you're in the pavilion that, that helps out a lot. But definitely if you don't get a fast pass for Soarin', if you opt to go with one of the other two, a Soarin' should be either your first or second stop. During the day, or do it, you know, during an extra magic hour, or late in the day, something like that. So,
1: or you can do what Brian did and get breakfast at Garden Grill, yep. and then go straight over to Soarin' without a Fast Pass and save yes. your Fast Pass for either Test Track or Frozen Ever After.
0: Talking about all this stuff inside the land, it reminds me too. This is one of the places that I like to try to hide if one of those Florida thunderstorms is coming. The land and the seas are both both pretty good for that, but the land is nice because you have Soren, uh, you have Living with the Land, you have what, what will be awesome planet, and um, there's there's a place to unlike the the seas pavilion. There is a place to eat. Mm-hmm. You can go to Sunshine Seasons. There are bathrooms inside the land pavilion. That is something that always annoys me with the Mexico pavilion. Is if you go in there to wait out a storm, there are no bathrooms in there. No. So you have to you know go get wet if you have to pee. Yep. so uh, the land is is definitely one of my my top picks for you, you know, when the skies start getting dark and you need somewhere to hide for an hour, That's a very good one.
1: I also wanted to point out that when you walk in, go to the right and there are stairs and an escalator. Go to the left and there's an elevator for mm-hmm. you know wheelchairs, ecB. Whatever your needs are.
0: That's also where the bathroom is. And that's yeah. where the
1: bathrooms are too. Yeah. And there's. Um, <laughs> as,
0: as parents of small children, we know where all the bathrooms are. No.
1: Yeah. No <laughs> kidding. Uh, there's also shopping, which I have never taken the time to look through because I'm like, no. Soren, food, bathrooms. So I never noticed. But apparently there's Soren Tour Desk, which is to the yeah. left of the entrance to Soren. And there's Green Thumb Emporium, which I had no idea existed. I knew there was a gift shop in Soren, but Green Thumb Emporium. I had no idea. That's across from the Soren tour desk. Have you looked through these, Brian?
0: I'm legitimately looking up pictures of the Green Thumb Emporium right now because I don't know that I knew it existed.
1: I mean, apparently they kind of sell the same things that y'all find at the Soren shop, as in like Soren t shirts and
0: pins. Yeah, it's like a large kiosk kind of thing. But uh, yeah, they have, you know, some shirts that say Soren, that say ready for takeoff huh no i've clearly never looked through it
1: i know like you're just like getting in line or you know redeeming your fast pass i've never looked at either of these i, I mean i know they're there but i never i well actually i did not know that the green thumb emporium was there i thought it was all the same thing as this
0: now that you say it and i guess it's a relic of this being a pavilion from 1982 there really isn't gift shop space in in there like they didn't They didn't even when they when they built Sorin, they just didn't really build. You don't exit through the gift shop like you kind of pass it on your way in and out where it is. But uh, obviously, as we've just proven, it can be easily ignored. Yeah. So, you know, there's the exit doesn't go through a gift shop. The exit is very long. I will say Uh, if you are one thing that I've had happen to me, if you are waiting for someone that is on Sorin, even with a fast pass, it is a very long walk. To get to where the theaters are, and then to get back, mm-hmm. so don't expect them to come quick. Actually, if you if you are ever curious and want to look at like a Google Maps image of Epcot, if you look at the satellite view of it, you can see the gigantic Sorin building, but it is not behind the Land Pavilion. The Sorin building is actually out. Kind of behind imagination, so you actually walk from the land pavilion down. The entire queue takes you out and down behind the imagination pavilion. So you're, uh, yeah, you're right behind imagination. Actually, when you're on the ride, that's how how long the walk is.
1: Well, and I guess they have to fit three concourses. So yeah, that makes
0: yeah there are three now. They did that was uh, something we didn't mention. They did when it was first built. There was only two theaters for Soarin'. Now there are three, one of which is usually dedicated solely to FastPass. So the line, where the line used to get up to, in fact, uh, until Flight of Passage opened, Soarin' was our highest recorded wait time at at Disney World at 300 minutes, or 305 minutes, I believe. Oh, I believe it. And uh, now you, other than the busiest times of year, you rarely see waits more than say like two hours and that's like the middle middle of the day mm-hmm. it's very often you can go up at 11 a.m or something and see a weight of an hour or less so weights are definitely a lot better since they added that third theater on there
1: yeah and at the end of the night you'll see about a half hour maybe less mm-hmm. so, yeah not too bad
0: but yeah so uh anything else to say about the land pavilion no. we have said a lot surprisingly we had
1: a lot to say about the land i think that's it like i said if you have
0: And that right there is where Angela started having audio problems, so I will be ending the show myself. Hashtag TPPOD on Twitter if you have anything to tell us or any topics you would like us to discuss, and you can go ahead and at Angela Dahlgren or Brian on that one. If you want to email us, it is either Brian or Angela at touringplans.com. And if you like the show, of course, please rate and subscribe. Rate us with those five stars wherever you can. It really helps us a lot. And we will see you next time. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Touring Plans Podcast. More money-saving episodes on the way. In the meantime, plan your perfect trip at touringplans.com.